from the parking lot. To the tunnel. Check it out. Have fun. Unleash. Let's go. To the 50-yard line. On the field. This is your field pass with DCI's Dan Potter. This is your field pass for February 2018. Coming up, we begin a series of podcasts featuring what was talked about, what was voted on, and what came out of this year's Drum Corps International Winter Meetings. And we're going to start by turning down the volume on a loud discussion. This has been the hot topic of the weekend. Or more correctly, a loudness discussion. We jumped off of this bridge in 2003, and it's evolved to something that people haven't been able to keep up with. Directors, designers, and instructors trying to ensure that while creativity continues, how can we utilize technology to create something that's new and different and fresh? Common sense also prevails. Don't blow my face off. This is your Field Pass. Here's Dan Potter. I've said before on the Field Pass that there are a few things more controversial in drum corps than the use of electronics and amplification. It's been 15 years now since speakers were first hauled out onto the sidelines of DCI shows, and in that decade and a half, there have been many growing pains. Cores are using a wide variety of equipment with an equally wide variety of results. For some audience members, it's led to a less than optimal auditory experience when watching some cores. And there are other issues as well. The perception that cores are getting in a costly audio equipment arms race, the competitive and parity implications that arise from all that, and the ethics of amplifying, for instance, the full horn line. Back in August, DCI's new artistic director, Lee Carlson, told me these were all issues that needed to be discussed. We need to sit down and figure out where do, where do we draw the line? Do we draw the line? And the majority of the cores, I think, would be more than happy to sit down and say, this is what we use. What do you use? And is it better or, you know, so there's got to be that communication to push the entire activity. And I think that'll happen. In fact, it did happen at the winter meetings in Indianapolis. A standing room only crowd of instructors, designers, directors and drum corps stakeholders packed into a conference room at the embassy suites, hearing from a panel of audio experts who had been recruited by Tom Blair. Tom is the executive producer and senior director of the DCI Championships TV productions but his deep production background is in audio. Some of his earliest professional audio gigs were with the likes of Henry Mancini and the Detroit Symphony. I don't think it's any secret that this has been the hot topic of um, the weekend. And so uh, what we've tried to do here is assemble a group of people. I was starting to worry that the hype was going to overshadow the reality. Uh, everybody kept talking about this thing. Uh, I'm really pleased with the way it went. Um, I was fortunate enough to gather uh, some people that are very smart and very skilled and very generous to share their knowledge. And um, I, it seemed like people really uh, felt good about it. Do you think uh, an audience member will hear a difference in the summer of 2018 already? I hope so. Uh, if, if there's a message that I would uh, hope that people took away was uh, to try to make it sound more natural. Uh, it's fine to reinforce things, it's fine to um, fill out the sound a little bit, but don't blow my face off at 125 dB. Uh, and, and I think we made that point, I think we defended that point, uh, and hopefully people will, um, will, will hear a difference. I was going to say see a difference, but uh, you know, hear a difference. Mm -hmm. And maybe pay as much attention to that aspect of your production as you do all the many other aspects. 
Yeah, I, I have a fear of it becoming the tail wagging the dog. I don't, I don't want that to happen. Um, but I think it's evolved to the point where it has equal weight with the color guard and the percussion section and the brass and the visual design. It, it, uh, it's becoming such an important part of the presentation that it, uh, it requires the time and effort. And um, another important message that I think came out of uh, the session today is plan ahead and really integrate the idea of sound reinforcement and sound design into your program from the beginning. Make it a part of the plan um, so it becomes more organic to your entire show. And I'm certainly not saying that groups need to spend $100,000 on a console. One of Tom Blair's panelists was Aaron Beck. Aaron heads up sound design for the Bluecoats. He's been a concert and Broadway sound reinforcement professional for 20 years and is currently in charge of the audio for the Cirque du Soleil show Michael Jackson One in Las Vegas. Aaron tells me he does not see a way of resolving the sound reinforcement issues through new rules. I think a lot of it is just knowledge. You know, we jumped off of this bridge in 2003, and it's evolved to something that, you know, people haven't been able to keep up with. Um, from a standpoint of who we have operating it, you know, in a lot of ways it is the front ensemble guys who grew up with it, and they're the ones dealing with it now. They don't have that professional training. Um, so between education and proper equipment, I think we can totally change, you know, a lot of this. Uh, I'm not a fan of any kind of limitation um, because in my mind that's not the right direction because we'll just try to, you know, how else can we do that? It's best practices, it's using the right equipment, having the right processes to go through. Um, you know, the field amplification point, you know, I worked with several high schools this year and said, yeah, it's working great, but I don't understand why I can't hear my clarinet section like I want to. And it, it comes down to science, you know, audio is a science. And, you know, I said, you know, well, what, what is the issue? Well, we hear the trumpets. Well, where are the trumpets? Well, they're staged behind the clarinets. <laughs> well, the microphone does exactly what you're asking it to do. It's picking up all that. Um, but yeah, it's education, it's coordination, it's electronics are no longer the splash symbol that you can add June 15th. Uh, it's something that has to be looked at from the first creation meeting the year before, all the way through finals night. It's no longer just this, you know, add-on that we've done in the past. One of the many complicating things here is short shows, different performing ensembles, different venues every night. You know, I've heard hypothesis, well, maybe we have a master system, the DCI, or several master systems, and everybody plugs into that one system. You do your own mix, you send a program feed to the house system, that's how it works. Is there, do you think, you know, that's a road that we need to go down and look at? I think it's certainly something to be discussed. Uh, you know, if I had to guess, say we do 35 shows over the course of the summer, we're trying to design systems for five of those 35 shows. So how could we be more effective in terms of design for the 30 shows? And then sure, potentially a system that's designed more of a festival. You know, if I look at Lollapalooza or an iHeartRadio festival with 25, 30,000 people, each act is not bringing in their own system. So if we're trying to provide that experience for the audience, finals night with 22, 23, 
you know, where are we in three years? Are we at 30,000 people? So how do we, you know, give the course something they can use for 30 shows and then enhance that experience for our audience finals night? Some have likened the growth in drum corps electronics to an arms race. If it is, well then the Bluecoats may have one of the largest armories. Uh, well, I prefer not to call it an armory. I'd like to call it a toolbox. Bluecoats director David Glasgow. And I, honestly, I don't know uh, relative to other groups necessarily because there are, you know, there are a lot of things that people, a lot of tools that people can utilize. And so it's hard for me to say if we have more or less. I'm not exactly sure. I think people can look to our shows and see the amount of speakers that we've had and maybe make the assumption that we have more but you know there's a lot more to it than just that obviously so um, all that said you know we've certainly probably been the most experiment uh, experimental you know in trying different things and trying to find ways to open up the performance space make it a more professional space but also you know make the entire field um, be used and so that you can hear really anything uh, on you know on the field uh, in the audience so that th those are the things that we've tried to do do you do you see any solutions to this in terms of you know uh, consistency of quality core to core in terms of sound reinforcement well I think we all need to get better at it include certainly including us uh, I, and I think we will I think it really is just a matter of going through the process of learning to you know perfect this uh, to the level that it needs to be perfected and that includes the audience and making the experience for the audience the best it can possibly be. So to me the solution is continuing to do what we're doing but get better at it across the board and um, you know and I think the, there's an adjudicational uh, element of that as well and we need to we need to provide the resources, the cores, we need to provide the resources to make sure that the judges have a complete understanding what we're doing as well um, which we'll do but I, I think we just got to keep getting better at what we're doing. And that may take uh, some adjusting of what we're currently trying to do. Carolina Crown Director Jim Coates. And it may take an investment also. Um, I think our object is, um, is to get a better quality of what we present to our audience and collectively to our entire audience versus just a small perspective of it while not offending the people that are front and center covering the whole stadium or at least the concert side of the stadium with a good balance of sound. Yes, yes, absolutely. A blanket of sound that's from zero to zero, top to bottom, that is controlled. And we have and that's going to take discipline from our 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 technicians not to just turn the knob up, but to dial in with a more uh, better quality uh, uh, and a directional sound that should hit the audience in certain ways. Do you have an opinion one way or another on using shotguns or individual mics to mic an entire ensemble? Um, whether I have a personal opinion or not, it's, it's things that are out there right now. I, I think we have to, because we're a competitive environment, we have to let our adjudicators decide what's good or not. When it comes down to competition, we also have to let our audience decide what's good or not. Um, if we don't present it in a way that's excellent and has quality, then it doesn't matter what we do. The Cavaliers brass caption head, Michael Martin, is the one who wrote the rules change proposal that sparked all this talk at the winter meetings. Regardless of whether or not this proposal passes, um, I feel great about not only the discussions that we've had, and they were, they were impassioned and, and valid on both sides, but I mean, the amount that I learned about 
the technology and the possibilities and what the future could be was great. And that's exactly what I was looking for out of the weekend. Martin's proposal, which would have limited the number of brass players who could be miked at one time to just a dozen, was defeated in the instructor's caucus by a landslide. But when I spoke with him after the vote, Michael Martin didn't seem bothered by that in the least. I, I got the sense that the general public thought this was going to be a really contentious kind of, kind of full-on uh, boxing match. And, and I don't know that it was ever going to be like that because we all respect each other so much here. But, um, but after that presentation, um, uh, that featured uh, essentially um, the Blue Coat Sound guys opening up their playbook to the entire room, and we got to see how they do what they do and what their plans are for the future and how we've been doing it wrong and, and how we're going to be able to do it better. Everyone in the room, myself included, were just like, okay, all right. Um, and at the same time, it, it, it still jived with, with the spirit of, of, of the proposal that we submitted, um, but it but it did quell a lot of fears, I think, and, and allow the dialogue the rest of the weekend to be extremely constructive, still passionate, but, but overall very positive. We want all audience members to hear all performers. And I guess maybe Aaron Beck summed it up best when he said, we don't have a volume problem, we have a coverage problem. It really was eye-opening. Um, the, the equipment that's, that's necessary to uh, accomplish what we're trying to accomplish uh, is different than what we've been using. And uh, I think once we figure that out, then I think the experience for everyone, membership, staff, and especially the audience is going to be better than it's ever been. Cavaliers brass caption head, Michael Martin. Sound reinforcement and electronics might have gotten the lion's share of attention at this year's winter meetings, but there was a lot more discussed and voted on. We'll go in-depth on some of it and have a long talk with DCI's new artistic director, Lee Carlson, too, in our next Field Pass. Mark Higginbotham writes our theme music. Thanks to DCI's Jeff Hardowitz and Chris Weber for their help in putting together this show. I'm Dan Potter, back in March with another Field Pass.